morning, everyone. So who has to just agree with me that Brian Roberts looks roasting hot this morning? And, uh, and we got to show one more. Ron, Ron Shooty, come up here because this one is not self-evident to the eye, all right? Can anyone figure out what Ron is this morning? A chick magnet. Now it's just self-evident, right? Chick magnet, chick repellent. By the way, does anyone know what I am this morning? I'm hearing some conflicting things. Someone told me a, a pastor, a Lutheran pastor, I'm actually not. There's some subtle cues. I am a Catholic priest. No wedding ring. <laughs> and no Reformation colors either coming up, right? They're not celebrating Reformation Day in the Catholic Church, so we have to go Pentecost green. There you go. For, for the liturgically savvy among you, right? It, <laughs> Guys, we are, uh, we are uh, to the end of hell, heaven, hell, zombies, and the resurrection of the dead. And we began together a few weeks looking at this passage right here. And what I'd like you to do is say it with me this morning. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. That is the heart and soul of what all end times thinking is about in the Christian faith. It is the foundation of our hope, and it is what drips off the page of the New Testament. We put a challenge out four weeks ago to sink it in, to burn it in the brain. So ready? Let's give it a whirl. Wait, 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 wait. Not yet. There we go. Let's give it a whirl. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Think about that. You will be raised from the dead. I don't mean your spirit is going to go off and this is some metaphorical resurrection of your soul living on but your body staying dead. No, this body right here, each and every one of us, what Jesus promised and the apostles testified is that we will raise from the dead. And when we do, Anna, can you come here for a moment, please? And when we do, we will not look like that. All right? We will not be a zombie. We will not be a ghost. We will not be the amalgamation of the two and Anna Roberts before our eyes. All right? Thanks, Anna. God will take our bodies and his promises. I will raise you from the ground on that last day. And that's what I want to talk about today. See, two weeks ago, we talked about heaven. When we die and our souls go to be with Jesus before Jesus returns, what's that like? Last week, we had an especially cheery topic. We talked about hell. But we took a hard look at this hard topic and talked about what is the reality of this and, and, and how can a loving God and hell coexist and what, how are we best to understand it. Today, what I want to talk about is what life will be like after the resurrection. Now, let's frame this. We began with a timeline three weeks ago. And so let's get this framed one more time. And so I need three volunteers. Please just come up. I need three people right now. There are no solos. There are no singing. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I need one more. All right. Come on up, dude. Here's how the timeline worked in case you missed it. This is time. And right now, this is October 28th, 2012 at 9.17 a.m. Okay? So I'd like to introduce you to October, October 28th, 2012, 9.17 a.m. All right? Now, from this point, time is stretching on. 
You are eternity. Say hi to eternity. Look, we've got a knot in time. All right, keep going, because eternity is long. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. They say that time speeds up, so keep going. 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 All right. From this moment in time, Time is going to stretch out into eternity. And at some point in time, the risen Christ is going, the risen Christ, all right? Which is really interesting because I'm seeing the risen Christ in the second row from the back from three weeks ago. And I don't really know how to, which one is the false Christ? Yeah, I'm with you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So at some point in time, the risen Christ is going through it. You got it. You got it. See, he knows. He knows. He's Christ. And at some point, the risen Christ is going to return. Now, if you and I die before Christ returns, we go to a place called heaven. That's right in here. Or more horrifically, some go to a place called hell. That's in a time right here. Our bodies are in the ground, but our souls are in one of these planes. But when Christ returns, bodies will raise body and soul is reunited and what the bible promises is a new kind of existence a resurrection existence a physical existence that goes beyond here and when you look at the book of revelation and it talks about this right here it says then i saw a new heaven and a new earth because the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and it goes on to say a tree of life will be planted at that new heaven and new earth. Okay, is this making sense? So what we are talking about today is what life will be like from here into eternity. Are you with me? Thank you, people. I appreciate your help one more time. Thank you. So what is life like beyond this tree? Beyond the tree of life that Revelation 22 talks about, okay? Well, what I want to submit to you is that the best way to understand what eternity will be like beyond this tree is to look back to the first tree of life that exists in Genesis chapter 2 to see what life is like back then. So I want you to paint a mental picture. I want you to think about this. I am going to say Garden of Eden. Now, what are the kinds of things that come to mind when you say or hear Garden of Eden? Right? And you just start thinking of them, right? Okay, it's like a, there's land and there's mountains and, and there's probably like streams and water and there's probably animals in your garden. You got animals. You got sunshine in your garden. Do you have weather in your garden? Do you have bad weather in your garden? You do? See, I don't have bad weather in my garden. I got good weather in my garden. But who knows? It did say that God walked in the cool of the day in the garden, so that would imply that there was hot points in the day, so there seems to be weather patterns. Is there people in your garden? Are they wearing clothes? Yeah, not mine either. All right. <laughs> And there's relationship, and there's God, and it's physical, and it's real. And if you were to take a look at Adam and Eve, they would probably look something like this. Maybe no belly button, but something like this. Would you agree? It's fascinating to me that when John and the New Testament writers describe what life is going to be like after the resurrection, the picture that they use is what life was like back 
at the Garden of Eden. Now let me show you just a couple examples. It, it, kind of small, but you can make it happen. Um, just some statements about the Garden of Eden in Genesis 1 through 3. It was very good. Okay, let's just kind of start there. God made all this physical array, and it was very good. It says in the NIV that there was lots of trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. That's really long to write on a keynote presentation. There's yummy trees, all right? There's food. We're eating. Who's happy that we get to eat in eternity? All right, broccoli and asparagus all the way. Um, at the garden, you have the tree of life. However, there's also another tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that Genesis 2 will describe. And it says a river flowed out of the garden. And significantly and very interestingly, it says this river flowed out of the garden. And do, does water flow up or down? And as it flowed down, it became the headwaters for the four major rivers of the earth, which seems to say that Eden is on a high point, which in the geographical world we typically call a mountain. All right? And so in this mountain uh, where Eden is planted, we have this, this river that's flowing, and, and, and there was this man who was there, and look at what he did. He worked it, and he took care of it. Are you working in your version of eternity? Like, oh God, no, right? In Eden they were. They, they were charged with a task. They were charged with responsibility. They had, shall I say, purpose beyond just enjoying the moment. They worked and they took care of it. And yet we see that God says it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. There is relationship. There is connection with others, people that they know and that they know intimately. And they will be one flesh. It says they're naked. There's no shame. There's no hiding. There's no embarrassment. There's no sheepishness. A comfortableness and a confidence in, in who you are and who God made you to be and, and not fearing what someone else might think or do or say. And God comes and he tells them to fill the earth and subdue it. And then he even goes so far as to say rule. Rule over it. I'm curious, in your picture of eternity, who reigns? We'll get back to that. And it says that God walked in the, card, in the garden by the cool of the day. Now, you can read through the New Testament. You can read through Revelation chapter 20 through 22. And you're going to see all this imagery from Eden begin to pop out in eternity. Let me just show you a few. John says, I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first had passed away. We not only see heaven, but we see earth. And now, instead of a garden, we see what? A holy city. Now, this past Wednesday, we, we, we did a, an in-depth Bible study on this. And um, I, I want you to think this through to its logical conclusion just for a moment. Now, in the ancient world, when you talked about a garden, what you need to think in, our t in today's terms is not like the vegetable patch that you have out back. What you need to think more in line of is something like a state park, a national park. Uh, you know, go up to Kettle Moraine or something like that, or Glacier National or whatever it happens to be. Now, question, with that conception of a garden, is it possible to walk into that kind of garden or better, to walk into a, 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 a sort of state park or national park and go, hmm, I wonder if someone was here. 
Now, sometimes you see a road, sometimes you see a path, but you go to some of these great national parks of the nation, and there's vast expanses where you can simply say, have human beings ever been here? Now, take a city. It doesn't matter if you're seeing someone or not. If you walk into a city street, can you look around and go, hmm, I wonder if someone's ever been here. It's kind of self-evident, isn't it? Fascinating, isn't it, that it goes from a garden to a city. God comes to the people and he says, work it, take care of it. And it seems that in eternity, there is a residual effect of the efforts of the people's labor that God set in place from the beginning. Are, are you with me? All right. And so Paul will say things like, there's one foundation and that's Jesus Christ. But each person builds on that according to their own desire, some with gold or silver or costly stones and some with, with hay or straw or wood. It's kind of like Three Little Pigs flashback coming here. And uh, he says, on that day of fire, everything will be refined and your work will show for what it's worth. What does it mean that the work we do now may imprint itself on the eternity that awaits? It says things that God's dwelling will be with men and he will live with them, that the glory and honor of the nations will be brought. And it talks about a river again flowing down the middle of the city, just like Eden had a, a river flowing out of it. And that in each side of the river, there is a tree of life. One tree, two trees. And yet what tree is missing? I've had so many people ask, and I think with a little bit of trepidation and fear, oh my gosh, can the whole cycle reverse? Can the whole thing start again? You know, can we go into repeat where we go into like an Eden kind of existence again and oh no, what if, what if someone like eats of this dumb tree again and, and what if we got to do the whole thing one more time? And yet Revelation says, no, there is no more curse and the only tree that is there is the tree of life. Twofold. And it says they will see his face. And fascinatingly enough, it says in the middle of the city in Revelation 22 is God and the Lamb on the throne. And yet it says that everyone there with him will reign forever and ever. 22.5 if you don't believe me. In Genesis 2, God calls the people to rule the earth. And in Revelation 22, he tells you, O believers in Christ, that you will not only serve God, you will not only be in the presence of God, you will reign. It's a mind blow, isn't it? And what is so central to remember is that if you want to understand what life will be like for eternity, the best way to think about it is by thinking about the past in Eden. Just think about this for a moment. A lot of people, I think, deep in their heart, are afraid heaven will be boring. What do you do for an eternity? And you see these certain snippets of heaven, like we'll worship God for an eternity, and you go, okay, that sounds good for 25 minutes. Then what? But if you have an Eden-like existence imprinted on your brain, what is it like to spend 10,000 years 
honing a passion that you have. Some of us might be lucky enough to have gotten careers in an area that we're passionate about in love. And we get at most, what, 40 years to try to master it? What is it like to continue to take that and continue building on it for not a thousand years, not 10,000 years, not a hundred thousand years, and then go, now I think I'll try this. Think about the relationships you're in. Or think about the ones that have been most dear to you, the ones that have just lit you up and consumed you. What is it like? Do you remember the first time you've met that person and you were so fascinated by them? You wanted to know everything about them. You, you could talk to them, be with them, be in their presence, be close to them all the time. Now imagine that actually getting to take place all the time. And forevermore being able to discover how deep the human soul actually goes. What is it like? For those of you who have fallen in love with God and you're thirsty for him. I mean, there's just something in your soul that you're hungry and you want to know him. And to go, I get to see it more clearly. I get to come face to face. I get to discover who he is with nothing standing in the way. And an infinite amount of time stretches before me to know an infinite God. What is it like to be in a world where there is no death or suffering or pain? What is it like to do insanely crazy things for the pure joy of it without any fear of effect? What does living hair look like? Or living bark on a tree? Or a living fingernail? It's all dead, isn't it? What does the fullness of life actually mean? This is what God promises in eternity. See, if you're here today and you have this metaphysical idea of eternity as just being this spiritual existence, you're missing the raw physicality of what God has promised you. Which means our picture of heaven, probably less from what we've been uh, given the idea to think, is probably more um, described, shall we say, in the wisdom of um, the great hymn writer Axl Rose. What is the hope for eternity? Take me down to Paradise City, where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. Oh, won't you please take me home? You know it, right? Some of you? We've got to do it in the right voice, though, right? Take me down to Paradise City, where the grass is green and... You, you know the song, right? Okay, now, now, if we didn't geek out enough on Sunday morning for you yet, I, I just had to do this. So, bear with me. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing down from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse, 
the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and there will be no more night and they will reign forever and ever. Okay, now that song goes on like eight more minutes. All right. Um, there's wisdom there. <laughs> what does it mean that your eternity is physical? What does it mean that just as God has raised Jesus from the dead? A Jesus who walks. A Jesus who goes up to his disciples and says things like, touch my side, touch my hand, see I'm real. He says himself, I am not a ghost. A Jesus who eats. A Jesus who comes. What does it mean that just as God raised Jesus from the dead in the same way, he will raise you? Wrap your mind around that and you start to get what life is like beyond the tree. And I find that that has staggering implications for how we live now. Because what does it mean to live right now with a boldness and a tenacity that says, no matter what happens to me on this side of the tree, no matter what happens to me in the gap, there is something greater by far that awaits. And what does it mean to those of you who have been chewed up, spit out, and beat up by life, who come here this morning filled with regrets, and missed opportunity, who come here today looking back at choices that you've made going, why did I? Or why didn't I? Haunted by ideas like I'll never have the chance again. For God to come and say, there comes a time when the tree will be reborn. And words like that will never utter your lips. It's what got into the soul of the martyrs. How did these people face death, face torture, face their, their, their persecutors going, do what you will to me because of all that exists is this life now as we know it. Paul says we of all men are most to be pitied. But if there is life beyond a tree that stretches forever and ever and ever, that doesn't replace this but takes this and magnifies it, Take my life and send me there. Oh, no. <laughs> Not that. Are you with me? No wonder Paul can say things like this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Because when we know what life is like beyond the tree, no matter what we face right now, it pales in comparison. So guys, here's what I'd like to do. For the last Sunday here together, I'd like you to take out your phones. And what we've been doing through this whole series is giving you a chance to text in your questions. Text in your questions about eternity, what it means and how to wrap our minds around it. So I want to invite you to do that again right here today. Text your questions to 815-314-0363. That's 815-314-0-F-O-F. And let's see what we got here today. I could sing Paradise City some more if you want. All right, well, I will invite the worship team to come forward. And... Uh, Let's take a moment here today to maybe just come to God and worship. And uh, I'm going to invite you to rise. You know what I find about God? 
He's a God of joy. And what he promises us is joy. What are the things that God has brought into your life that bring you joy? What do you experience here between the trees that rivets joy in your soul? What I want to invite you to do today is tap into that joy. Praise the God who created it. Thank the God who gave it to you. And worship the God who promises you something beyond the tree that is more amazing by far. Will you pray with me? Father, we come. We come and thank you for giving us life, for creating this thing that we call life. And we thank you, God, that even when it gets messed up, hard, difficult, ridden with pain and loss, you come to resurrect and restore. God, I pray for every person in this room and for myself that we live with the hope, the hope of resurrection. May our hope for what, what goes beyond the tree define how we live here today. May it change our perspective. May we give our lives to you now with reckless abandon because we know, God, in comparison, it's not even a shadow. So hear our prayers, hear our worship, hear the cries of our heart, hear our praise. Amen.